How differently do you think the Terrell Owens situation would have played out if instead of shirtless driveway sit-ups and Drew Rosenhaus next question press conference on the front lawn, he would have had the weapons that today's players have via social media, the ability to tweet, to post videos, to go on a full-on 24-hour day if he chooses offensive. Would that have changed the team's position on the Terrell Owens situation, do you think? Is your goal to give me PTSD? Is that is that what you're trying to do? Like, I'm, I'm, I'm confused by the line of questioning. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it wasn't, it wasn't, that wasn't fun. Now I'm going through it in my mind. The best story about T.O. was, um, you know, we have, we have this uh, tough 2005 season um, coming off our, our Super Bowl year. And Coach Reed says, hey, uh, you know, again, the season, we'll take a weekend, get away, we'll, we'll gather back up talk about next year's plans and evaluate the team and so my wife and I get on a plane to go to Florida and because I was I was traveling on the time I was doing I was on the road scouting um, we got upgraded right so we're in sitting first class we're going to Florida and um, you know I'm, I'm finally like a little bit relaxing and uh, the pilot gets on and he says uh, we're just waiting for one more passenger and then we'll start taxiing and of course who is it it's T.O. you know and he kind of looks at my wife and he kind of nods her head and he looks at me and he takes a seat and he jacks it in my lap for two and a half hours. So that was a really good ending to that that part of the story. (laughs) Oh, that's good. That's well done. Howie Roseman's encounter with T.O. on the plane, finally getting away after a stressful 2005. Here comes T.O., and he's got T.O. in the seat reclined all the way back for two and a half hours after he gets his first-class upgrade. Howie Roseman, flying coach in 2005. Come a long way, Howie. But uh, uh, that was just a mess, and it all came up because I asked him about why does he think the world has changed to the point where when you have a player – who wants out, teams are more accommodating. The Eagles' attitude was, sorry, we played in a Super Bowl with a broken leg, want more financial security, think you outplayed the first year of your contract, tough, right? Tough. You ain't getting nothing. You you take the deal, you take the deal that you signed and you honor it, and we're not going to trade you, we're not giving you another penny. And um, I, I, I tried to draw him out, on the idea of, and you heard the question, how yeah. different would it be today? Right. Because I think Terrell Owens, armed with social media with a couple million followers, if he decides he's going to tweet all day long and he's going to do videos all day long and he's going to say, let me go, you're going to have a lot more content than the sit-ups that he did. <laughs> like, when you got the microphone, let the guy do his sit-ups. Get the microphones out of the way. And then the Drew Rosenhaus, next question, next question. Like, we're going to have a press conference. Go ahead and ask your questions. Every question, next question. <laughs> but but think of how much more Terrell Owens could do today. A player could do today if the team's attitude is, no way, no how. We're not yeah. giving you any more money. We're not right. going to trade you. I think, it's a, I think it's one of the reasons why teams are doing what they're doing. I think it, definitely, right? It, it causes more issues now than ever. And, and again, th- that caused issues. They were one of the best teams in football for four years in a row, and they fell off the map and went six and ten that year. So that, that it's a, it, it almost answers itself right there. Why do teams get rid of those guys or trade them? Because they don't want to go six and ten after they go to the Super Bowl dealing with distractions. And I, I think that's we were seeing was you know, culture, right? It's it's the most annoying word in sports talk radio or anything right now. Culture, 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 culture. I, I get sick of hearing it, but it is a real thing. It is and. Yes, when your best player is in your locker room crapping on the coaches and everybody in the front office because he's pissed off that he feels like he's getting un- underpaid, that will ruin your culture in a hurry. And it will make every, any guy that's slightly disgruntled go, let me jump on the bandwagon with T.O. or whatever, screw these coaches in this front office, and that's when you go 6-10. and 10. And that's where I think teams have realized the hell with it. We don't even want to deal with it. When you say crap on the coaches, you need to be clear that it's not literal because there are some stories. There are some legends out there. <laughs> there is. Desks. We should tell that. And <laughs> that would be good. That would not be today. great media content. <laughs> let's, 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 we'll let's fact that check that day. one. Let's, let's, I know. Let's I, one of those stories one. I know is factually correct if we do want to get in there. Right. I got lots of witnesses. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so anyway, I, and Chris Ballard talked about it last week because he – he recited the Mike Tomlin line, we don't want 
hostages. We want volunteers because when it's hard enough to win when everybody's all on the same page, you start having guys in the locker room that don't want to be there. How do you win football games? And, you know, sometimes you have to strategically play hardball. But for the most part, you got a guy that doesn't want to be there. It is going to take away from the broader goal of winning football games. And I said this with Debo Samuel and the 49ers. However, it got to the point where Debo wanted out. And we haven't heard much about it lately. That's good news for the 49ers. Right. But the 49ers have responsibility for, you know, you got to keep player. You make him happy. You do what you have to do to get your guys happy. How much better can it be here than anywhere else? Let's make it as good as it can be here because we want you here. So what does it take to make you happy? And if you fail to make your key players happy, it's on you. And then you got a mess. And what do you do? Because you have this distraction. You have this issue. You have this thing that undermines your culture. It's why we spent so much time talking about Baker Mayfield and the Browns the other day. Yeah. It undermines what the Browns are trying to do with Baker Mayfield still on the team. Yeah. And the Browns are responsible for that. 49ers, responsible for Debo Samuel. Eagles, responsible for T.O. Whatever it was. Whatever it was. It may not have taken much to make the guy happy. He played in the Super Bowl with a broken leg. Yeah, right. How do you not do something to take care of the guy on the back end of that, for crying out loud? Yeah, no, I, I know. I mean, no question. And then, you know, again, hey, there was the issue with him and Donovan McNabb. That became part of ruining the culture there. I mean, it was... It all the it all started to go downhill right around that time for the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, yeah, it's not to your point making sure star players are happy, compensated fairly, all of that all of the above, you're right. And I just think now yeah, this day and age with the social media to your point, when it gets to that point teams just go, "Oh, wow. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We don't need to be answering questions from the press every day about this and having to talk to players in the locker room about this and whatever else and that's why it's 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 over." Now Debo Samuel with the 49ers, it's 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 one that, you know, obviously they felt like there was a little bit of a fighting chance there. And I think it is because it's money related to, you know, you hope you could soothe it over in a way where, "Hey, the money'll make things good," but it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. One last thing about T.O. and the Eagles, because yeah. I don't want to make this all about how the Eagles blew it, because T.O. had some responsibility in sure. it as well. And Drew Rosenhaus and Terrell Owens concocted this strategy of they're not going to pay me, they're not going to trade me, so let's be as disruptive as possible in the hopes of getting traded or cut. And someone who was intimately involved with the Bengals when T.O. and Chad Johnson were teammates in 2010 yeah. explained to me, and this was years ago, but I'll never forget it, they both were kind of disruptive, distraction-type Batman and Robin guys in the locker room, and it was kind of fun for us, but it wasn't real fun for the team. The difference was, as I was told by someone who was directly involved in it, with Chad Johnson, it's innocent. With T.O., there's a degree of malice to the way that he acted. And if any of that malice came through in Philly, then I could see why maybe their attitude was, one of you, we don't feel compelled to help you out. Sure. We don't care that you played in the Super Bowl with a broken leg. So anyway, teams are not going to put up with that today because there's so many other ways that a player can take his case to the people and get what he wants. Now, Debo Samuel didn't get out of San Francisco. A.J. Brown did get out of Tennessee. He's now a member of the Eagles. I talked to Howie Roseman about what that offense is going to look like with the guy they traded for on draft day to help take that offense to another level. What should Eagles fans expect from the offense with A.J. Brown? Because it was evolving into a certain type of offense last year, more running the ball, taking advantage of the talents that you had. With A.J. Brown there, what's it going to look like? Well, first, you know this, you know, you're always hesitant to talk about anything in May because you got so long to go before you first play a game. So I think health is the most important thing for our football team, for every football team, um, because it determines so many outcomes here. Um, so I think for us, you know, we got we got great performance staff, great training staff, great medical staff. So keeping those guys in position um, to play. So when we get that schedule released tomorrow night, you know, we kind of look at it and go, man, if, if we're full strength, we got a chance um, to be good. But I think when you look at it again, like um, because of how good we were running the football, we understand that's going to be a challenge for defenses. You know, defenses are going to come in and say, hey, this this offensive line set the tone. Um, they led the league in rushing. So how are you going to counterpunch? You know, it's, it's um, being able to be multiple and be versatile. And, and Coach Sirianni does an amazing job of that, of, of adjusting to the strengths of our personnel. And I think as we go through camp and um, – get a, a good sense of who we are 
uh, I have no doubt that our coaching staff will put them in the best position. And that's ultimately what Nick Sirianni did last year. The team struggled early on, and Sirianni finally figured out, here's what we do well. Right. Let's go do that. Right. Here's what we don't do well. Let's not do that. So you add a great player to the mix who can diversify your offense. We'll see what they can do. It puts a little more pressure on Jalen Hurts. Definitely. But he seems like the kind of guy who can rise to it. And, and he wants it. He wants the opportunity to prove that he belongs. You give him better weapons, he has better opportunity. A little more pressure. Right. A little of that no excuses to like a talk about lower yeah. tour 2022. Right. But right. there's a different vibe with Jalen Hurts. With Jalen Hurts, it's another log on the fire. With Tua, it's one less excuse in the back pocket. It does seem that way. No question. Either way, you know, I think that it's going to get Philadelphia the result they want one way or the no- another. You're going to go, oh, damn, he got better throwing the football. And look, he's taking advantage of A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, and we got our guy. Or it's going to show itself to go to what you're talking about. Go, oh, damn, there was people open all year long, and we just didn't take advantage, and maybe he's not the guy. You know, we, we, we discussed a little yesterday. I mean, he's got everything you want. And I think a guy like A.J. Brown with that offense and what how they want to be as far as run-based offense, you know, some play action, some RPOs, move the quarterback, do all that. Hey, we talk about that all the time. I mean, you know, this is this is the right piece for that. Oh, hey, fake the reverse Devontae Smith, fake the run to Miles Sander. Oh, there's A.J. Brown over the middle on a quick slant over the middle. You know, maybe give it to Devontae Smith the next time. Oh, fake it to him. Here comes A.J. Brown coming behind the line of scrimmage the other side, dump the ball to him. It gives them more weapons, more moving parts, more ability to get a defense to lean this way and then go, oh, wait, Jalen Hurts is keeping it going that way. Or he gave the ball to the running back, and we all went with A.J. Brown on the reverse. And to me, that's where I like the formula. So they have physicality to go, you better get up here and stop it. And then they go, oh, man, it's one-on-one outside, and you better be scared to match up with these guys one-on-one. I I like that formula. I talked to Panthers GM Scott Fitterer yesterday as well. We're going to hear from him later. But one of the things I asked him, whether or not the Debo Samuel dynamic in San Francisco in a copycat league where you've got big physical receiver – hey, let's put him in the backfield. Let's get the ball in his hands more. Let's let him do his thing. Does he think that'll spread? Fitterer thinks it does, and he kind of suggested maybe D.J. Moore. A hundred percent. He's made for it. Yeah. In, in Carolina. Yeah. But to A.J. Brown, right? Right, same I, thing. I, I So it, it works. That's, about, that's the thing about the NFL. If somebody does something that works, other teams say, hey, that works. How can we do that? Yes. How can we do that? Right. That's that's it's And it's accepted. It's not copyright infringement whatever plays you put out there on film aren't just the basis for information on how to deal with you when we play you in the future there may be some stuff you're doing that we'd like to do and that's fair game yes a hundred percent the great offenses all do that Uh, they all have a certain like you know group of coaches they look at every week on film just to study and steal some of their plays Uh, that's what you do do and i would Again, A.J. Brown, he fits that Debo Samuel mold like you're talking about, Mike. It's that new age wide receiver we have right now that's really a wide receiver in a running back's body. And D.J. Moore's that way, too. Again, he's, he's thick legs, big butt, breaks tackles, can do all those type of things. It's, it's different there. And I would think that that catches on throughout the NFL. And to the point of like we talked about all the time, even with running backs or even now the current status of the wide receiver – if I'm one of these, you know, coaches or whatever, hey, I'm getting my money's worth out of these receivers. Hey, they're growing on trees. We'll get a new one three, four years from now. Let's get them all the damn touches we can get, and so what? We're paying them $20 million a year, so what? There will be another good one coming out in the draft four years from now. Uh, that would be kind of my approach if I was running a football team. Jalen Hurts, a big factor in the decision to get A.J. Brown from Tennessee to Philadelphia. I asked Howie Roseman what the expectations are for Hertz as he enters year number three. With A.J. Brown there, and that seemed to be a trade that Jalen Hurts really wanted, what should the expectations be for him entering year three? Because I, I think there's just kind of a vague sense among the fans, among the media, as to what the bar is in the organization's mind as to what you're looking for in Jalen Hurts. Yeah, we're just looking to win, you know, and I think that at the end of the day, that's something that always attracted us to Jalen as a player when we drafted him. Um, uh, Obviously, that's what he's done really his whole life as a football player. He's figured out ways to win games and put his team in a position to really, in college, to win championships. And 
Um, I think with Jalen, uh, the one overriding theme with him is he will do whatever it takes to be great. He will work as hard as he possibly can. He will connect with as many teammates as he possibly can. If you tell him this will make you better, he will go to the ends of the earth to do that. Um, and he's a talented guy. And so I think for all of us, we, we have to help. Well, whoever our quarterback is, you always want to feel that way. But I think when you have a young quarterback and he's still 23 years old, which, you know, sometimes I even forget about. Um, but when you have a young quarterback like that, you have to put them in position to be successful. You can't ask them to do everything. So how do you do that? Obviously for us, it's going to start on both lines, right? Having a really strong O-line, D-line, um, and then going from there and making sure that he's got options in the passing game. He's got weapons around them, but we're also complementing him with good players on both sides of the ball. You know, we talked earlier about Russell Wilson, the winning mindset that he brings to Denver. It's proven in his past accomplishments. Jalen Hurts is a guy who's on potentially the front end of what a guy with that winning mindset, with that infectious personality, the guy who can elevate the others around him. We don't see the high-end quarterbacking skills yet. I'm not saying we won't. Right. But this could be an example of a guy who – whose intangibles mean as much or more than the tangibles because he does have that that charisma. He's got the attitude. Hey, he was able to convince them to go trade for A.J. Brown. He said the right things at the right time sure. to get them to go make that move. He wanted A.J. Brown. So they like this guy. And I, I still am going to be fascinated by what they pay him on a second contract if he's going to try to blow it out or if he's going to consciously take – a lot less than he could get to have a team around him that can win. But, you know, he's kind of gradually becoming the guy. They've they've wanted the obvious franchise guy ever since Donovan McNabb was traded 12 years ago. Hertz is maybe a guy who's just kind of going to ease his way into that role. And we're going to wake up one day and we're going to say, holy crap, they got a top 10 quarterback in Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, could be. He, he guys, like, like you said, all the things you want. As far as the intangibles are concerned, maturity, works hard, takes coaching. You can yell at him, whatever. He handles it. He understands the broader picture of the game, all of that. But I think, you know, like you, you said it right, you know, second contract, future in the NFL, what he is will be determined, I think, a little bit on, yes, the progress we see within, you know, playing in the pocket, making plays there. You know, again, it, it, the offense, it's, it's really talented. It's the best offensive line in football. So they can play a certain style probably throughout the, the majority of the year, just like they did last year when they figured it out to go, hey, we'll run, we're going to do things the right way. But as we always talk about, you know, it's, it's at some point your kryptonite's going to come to town. You're going to play a team like the Bucks. They go, well, damn, they got 700 pounds of defensive tackle in there. We might not be able to run the ball in them like we want today. It's going to be tough. And then you're going to have to win the game within the pocket. And I think that's the last piece of the puzzle we need, we need to see from Jalen Hurts. We, just, we know he's good to make plays, and he's a gamer, and you know, moving the chains and scrambling and doing that. He has a good arm. It's not a great arm. But there's still too many points to what we talk about all the time. The great teams, the teams that go deep in the playoffs, the Super Bowl teams, it's always the same thing. It's Stafford in the pocket making throwing lasers to win the game with everybody on his offense injured, but it didn't matter. He still was going to stay in the pocket. It's Brady in the pocket the year before against the Chiefs making plays. Oh, it's it, guess what? The year before that, oh, that's right. It was Patrick Mahomes. Guess where he was? In the pocket against the 49ers. So at the end of the day, that's where this offense and this style of play at quarterback is going to be questioned until it answers those those questions you got. Can they beat the best defenses in football? Can they win the Super Bowl that way? Or do you have to develop and become a, more of a machine within the pocket passing you know, quarterback uh, category there? That, that'll be the big thing with Hurts. The one question we don't have about the Eagles is who the starting quarterback will be week one, wherever they are, whoever they play. The Carolina Panthers, mm. we still don't know. I spoke to Scott Fitter, GM of the team, yesterday. When we return, you'll hear from him on various aspects and issues relating to the Carolina quarterback situation. We'll do that next here on this Thursday edition of PFT Live. You're a GM hoarder. 
from their own 30, is there an offensive line capable of protecting the quarterback long enough for Florio to run a post route? Well, we might have to keep the tight end to block, too. All right? <laughs> we definitely have to do both. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, there's a few. There's a few. Like, man, I look at, like, the Eagles, as we've talked about earlier. Yeah. The Bucks are, I think, one of those offensive lines that I look at that. And really, the Chiefs, I would probably throw in that category okay. as well. Florio's not running a five or six second 40. Yeah, you're right. Six seconds. Sorry. So it says you're right. He's 58 years old. So it's going to be a little longer. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe I was thinking 40, 40 in the 40s. Um, yeah, you're right. Now we're going to have to probably keep the two tight ends in the block and and a running back and replace everyone with total Hall of max protection. <laughs> so it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. Control your guy. <laughs> 58. I know. It's him. I know. Rounding up. He disrespected you altogether, too, Ahmed. I mean, yeah. he just he didn't even think yeah. you could run a six flat forty. Damn. I mean, yeah. He, he doesn't know the specimen. I, ha- I, haven't, I haven't. I I I quit running some period of years ago because when I do now, both of my knees swell up like melons, and I've had X rays. There's there's no. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if I got a piece of floating cartilage, but both but both of them just swell up. And, like, even now, when I move my leg back and forth, it feels like a, a oh. bag of potato chips oh, in there. It sounds but like anyway, you, got lack anyway. of, you got lack of cartilage. That's what it sounds like. It's, it's, yeah. it's, you were a how-many-miles-every-morning kind of runner there for a while? Too many. Life? Yeah. Too many right. on pavement. Yeah, and your knees are saying thank you for that now. But you know what? I can ride bike all day, every day, and it never bothers me. Yeah. No oh, impact. No impact. Ride a bike, ride a bike, ride a bike, and it's fine. But but uh, you won't believe this. I, I never was timed flat out. Uh, I was well under five. Well under five. 35 years ago. Okay. Well under five. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't doubt that. I mean, you Four, know. Or six-ish. Yeah. Right, that's where I'll throw the challenge I'm, flag and I'm say absolute you. bull crap, you. and but yeah, maybe off I'm a cliff you. or something like that. Well under five, <laughs> I'm telling you, I can get witnesses. I can get witnesses. Uh, uh, there was a period of time I was young once. Yeah, I know that some of you may be amazed by that fact, but that's how the progression works. And those of you who are young, if you're lucky, one day you won't be. It's better than the alternative. But I'm telling you. I don't doubt you can run four six. I'm going to totally throw the challenge flag on. Like yes. Four right. six? Yes. I wish I wish I we know. had a time machine. I wish we did. Because I'm telling you. <laughs> okay. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Now it's four. You're on air partner. <laughs> you're 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 now it's not, but your on air partner once upon a time could fly. And I was very proud of it. I was very proud of it. I worked on it. Right. Busted my ass. Right. Ran hard. Yeah. Would go out and run. I'd do sprints. I mean I I I I, I could move. A All long right. time ago. All right. I could move. That's good to know. I All did right. not know that about Let's you. Let's move on. Okay, fine. Here's Scott Fitterer, the Panthers GM on the quarterback competition in Carolina between Sam Darnold, maybe Matt Corral, maybe player to be named later. Here he is. What would the message be right now to Sam Darnold as to where he stands on the depth chart, level of competition, how set in stone or sand is his number one spot at the top of your roster? Well, Sam is the number one guy right now. And he has every opportunity to take it, run with it. We hope he does well. Uh, we've seen improvement already uh, under Ben McAdoo. He's working hard. He's throwing the ball well. Uh, he's just got to take it and run with it. He's got to own the position. And the one thing we're looking to do is stabilize the position. That, and it's been up and down, up and down. And uh, we, we're bringing in Matt Corral. P.J. Walker's already here. And uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But he's, he's in the lead right now. But until someone really owns that position, gives us an opportunity to win, it, it'll always be up for grabs. Is the door open for him? And you mentioned competition, and Sam Darnold's currently number one. But depending upon how he performs, how Sam performs, could Matt Corral be your starter at some point this season? You know, it's hard to say right now. Uh, just how quickly he grasps the playbook, how quickly he's ready to play. But the best guy's going to play. It doesn't matter, rookie, second year, third year, fourth year. The one that gives us the best opportunity to win will be out there on the field. Best opportunity to win puts a guy on the field. And also, we also talked about the door possibly still being open, not just for a trade for a veteran quarterback from another team, because I didn't want to lead him down the tampering road. Yeah, right. I I, I don't want to set that trap. Hey, are you still going to – 
Consider trading for Baker Mayfield, even though he's under contract with another team. You're not allowed to talk about that without getting yourself in trouble. Not that the NFL ever cares. Cam Newton is also somebody they could still bring back. Still a possibility, Fitterer said. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, it, it is. I mean, uh, you know, Cam Newton, he has his value for sure. I, I, you know, again, I don't know if he would make things better or maybe confuse things a little bit. But either way, I mean, none of their quarterback questions can be answered. Sam Darnold, like like Scott Fitterer said, yeah, the leader as of right now. But they can't just anoint him the starter. He's got to earn it. You know, with the way he played last year, it fell apart. So he's kind of got to regain the trust of guys on the team, their organization, and then of course prove to Ben McAdoo, the new OC, that he's that guy too. So I, I would expect, yes, he's got a leg up on Matt Corral certainly coming in, no doubt about it. But Corral's got real talent, that's for sure. Uh, that's where it'll be interesting, but I would expect the day one starter to be Sam Darnold. But if it, you know, there's it trips up a little bit or hits a few bumps in the road, I don't think it'll be a, a long leash for him this year. That's for sure. And hey, bottom line is they were three and zero last year to start the season. Yeah. Darnold had like seventeen rushing touchdowns <laughs> right. in September. I'm exaggerating, but things were working well. And and I don't, I don't want to be a hypocrite because when David Tepper, the owner of the team had his press conference a couple of weeks ago and was making excuses like, Hey, don't make excuses. You know, Christian McCaffrey was injured, but the reality is Christian McCaffrey was injured. It's one thing for the team to say, Oh, Hey, well, Sam Darnold was fine, but Christian McCaffrey got injured. That seems like an excuse for people on the outside to say, you know, let's give the Panthers a break there. It was going pretty well until Christian McCaffrey gets injured. But Chris, you, you clued me into this. The idea is that, if the offense stagnates, if you don't build on what you're doing, they're going to figure out what you're doing and they're going to shut you down. You yeah. got to always find a way to stay ahead of the curve. You got to be conscious of your film. You got to self scout yourself. You got to have quality control. You got to have. The, I remember when going into year two of the Colin Kaepernick experiment in San Francisco, they hire Eric Mangini, who was available at the time, to come in and basically be. The defensive coordinator who was helping the offense stay ahead of the curve, scouting the offense to figure out where to take it to the next level. And the Panthers, you know, you bring these guys from college and they don't know that. Matt Rule doesn't know that. Joe Brady, doesn't, well, Joe Brady, arguably, he was with Sean Payton, but how much did it was Payton young, share it was young with him? and quick? Know. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, but but you know, you, you you're missing some of the nuances, some Definitely. of the details, and there's right. only so many hours in the day. But that's how you take it next level. You don't just say, hey, well, we did work the th first three weeks. Let's just keep doing it. You're eventually going to run right into a wall. A hundred percent. That's really what, what happened in my assessment. You know, they're, they're too good and too talented to kind of fall into some of the, you know, bad play or losses that they had last year, in my opinion. They got a lot of young talent. When you break down the Panthers position for position, you go, damn, there's something there. But that was, yes, you know, the number one thing that even jumped out to me during the three-game win streak. You know, I just went, man, it's just I don't see a lot of creativity. Okay, maybe it'll improve here. They're just taking it slow. They're a young team. But, you know, you, you said all the right things. College football is a different animal, and especially when you're coming from the team that's usually the more talented team on the field. You don't have to change a lot. You don't have to do a lot of different things. You can kind of just go, oh, wait, I have Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and Joe Burrow. All those plays I've been calling all year that are working, uh, they're going to work this week because they're awesome. So that that you know that's a different game, but as you know, and now all football fans know, the NFL is a different animal. And with teams and players are so much smarter. There's no school; they go to the school of football all day long. So when you line up in the same formations, and then they see, wait, when they're in this formation, they run two or three of these plays. Uh, football players in the modern day NFL, they they they're they're the huddle breaks and they're going, oh wait, they're in this formation. Okay, here comes that play, that play, or that play. Okay, I'm ready for it. We're gonna, and that's what I saw more than anything is just total stagnant and creativity as far as the offense is concerned, and the whole league caught on to it in a hurry. And I think that defense to the three three five. I mean, at first it's it's, and, and if you got great players, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but. You get benefit from the fact that people really don't know what to do with it, but then they start to figure it out. Sure. They, like anything else, did, you have yeah. to constantly be evolving yeah. and changing and shifting and improving and improving and improving, and you have to stay ahead of what you're showing, and you can't get complacent. You can never be complacent, ever. 
And even and you know this is what happens in the postseason. Hey, we had a great season. Well, yeah, but you got 17 games of tape out there that they're figuring out. So you better figure out what they're figuring out and get a step ahead of them. Set them up. Use the 17 games of what you've done to have that that surprise. Right, show a formation right. that you always run out of and mm-hmm. pass out of. It. Instead, it's it's man, I you know I I know that these teams have a lot of coaches and personnel, but there aren't enough hours in the day, and there aren't enough people you can hire to do all the things you need to do to be a successful NFL team week in and week out. And that's the challenge this year for Matt Rule and company. Or there could be a lot of people in Carolina who are looking for work elsewhere. Let's take a break. Jets defensive linemen provided some good headlines this week, especially one of their rookies. We will hear from them next on this Thursday edition, schedule release day of PFT Live. Favorite romantic comedy. That's a good one. How to lose a guy in 10 days, Matthew McConaughey. What's your favorite rom-com? How to lose a guy in 10 days. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Adam Sandler. Just go with it. Just go with it. Yeah, just go with it. That's a good one. Not, there's another one, too, where she forgets. 50 first day. Very 50 first day. Just Friends is fire. Just Friends. Just Friends is not bad, though. This is actually very easy for me. I do. Stupid love. Oh, my gosh. And I, I don't know if anybody said this, because this is top of all time. Wedding Crashers. And it might be just a comedy to some people, but it really is a romance. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I was about to say the same thing. And I will say, forgetting I mean, Sarah but Marshall. But you can say, like, Cars is a romantic comedy. It's just romance. It's the Cars fall in love. That's fine. Is that your favorite romantic comedy? Love and Basketball? Love and yeah. Basketball. Love and Basketball. Frozen? Hamilton? I'm not going to stay long, but my favorite romantic comedy is It's One Jet Drop. Good stuff. Jets players with their favorite romantic comedies. I'll go with C.J. Uzama. Cars. And look, any good movie, any good story has a plot line in there somewhere where there's some sort of a romance. That's You got to have that. You got to have that for it to work. There's got to be that element. So Cars. I I'm on board with C.J. Uzama. I, I mean, there's there's a lot of good ones out there. I mean, I'm going to choke under the pressure. How to lose a guy in ten days is is a really good one. When you just talk about never like, seen it. Oh, you never seen that with Matthew McConaughey and uh, you know it's a bet that he has with oh man Goldie Hawn's daughter. I'm blanking. Kate Hudson. Thank you very much, Courtney. Kate Hudson. Oh, you need to see it, Mike. It's definitely worth it. It is definitely worth it. He's trying to impress his work by picking up this girl. And she's trying to show how you can get rid of a guy quickly in 10 days by being a weird thing. So the worlds collide, right? And it's, it's pretty good. You need to watch that one. It's better than I cars. Don't Sorry. Even, I, I don't even I don't even know what makes I, I, yeah, like what makes what makes a romantic comedy. I don't know. I can't even think of many. I haven't I, I don't know. I just I watch what I like. I don't think of the category. It's like, hey, this looks good. Let's watch it. Okay, it was good. Let's move on to the next one. Let's move on to the next topic. <laughs> Jets defensive lineman. No romantic comedy there. It is a dramatic tragedy, at least for opposing offenses. That's what they hope to do. Jermaine Johnson, rookie First rounder, we talked to Robert Sala, the coach of the Jets, the other day about his mindset, and they traded back into round one to get him. Here he is on the key to setting the edge for the Jets' defense. What is the key to setting the edge against the run? Because yeah. a lot of people say they want to do it, but then they can't do it. Yeah. What is the key to it? Uh, it's a mindset, violence. Uh, there's no pretty boy working the trenches. Um, you know, it's... it's it's fun and, and stuff, you know, as sacks look and, and stuff like that, you know, first, second down, primarily run down. you got to earn the right to rush the passer. And, you know, what comes with that in my position is setting the edge. You know, you got to be violent and you got to take your job serious because, you know, if you don't set the edge, you know, a big play can bust and that can, that can you know, shut down a defense. So, you know, I take that serious and, you know, my job is setting the edge, make sure, you know, nothing comes outside of that. And I take that serious. I take my job serious. Uh, because I don't want to let my team down. Hey, Jermaine Johnson, talking about football the way the football is still played. It is a violent physical game, and especially on the running plays. It's all about blocking, shedding blocks, setting the edge, getting to the ball carrier and putting them on the ground, and it moves fast, and it moves with a high degree of contact and even though the game has gotten safer the running game really hasn't changed chris no it's it's not it's still about like uh, no this spot's mine and i'm gonna move you off of it 
I'm here and I want this spot. And now I got to get you off of it and now make a tackle and hit this guy. And yes, it is cer- certainly, you know, the physicality of the game, even though it's safer because of the amount of talented, freaky athletes we got in the sport right now, you know, it, it, the, the collisions are still as great as we've ever seen in the sport. That That's for sure. And, you know, Jermaine Johnson and, you know, the Jets. And, again, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about a little earlier, just with the, the Green Bay thing a little bit. You know, here's the 49ers. You see they're, that word, violence, killer. You know, again, I know they're not great words for, you know, fifth graders and reading a bedtime story, but we're talking about football here. That's what guys are looking at. That's what the top teams have a lot of. You know, the Aaron Donalds of the world and the Leonard Floyds of the world and whatever else. And the Jets are trying to get their own version of their Nick Bosa. And hopefully Jermaine Johnson can do that. And, you know, we talk about how the game still remains very physical and very violent. And one of the rule changes in recent years that helps the defensive player is the the slicing away of the instances where you can hit a guy low. Yeah. And... Because for years, the NFL encouraged it because there's only one way for a little guy to get a big guy on the ground. You're not going to go push him and shove him and knock him down. You hit him low. And, you know, we talked recently about that bad call in the Bears-Steelers game where if you're outside the tackle box, you can't do the, the low hit. And, and uh, you have Jermaine Johnson, if, he, if he's outside of that area, he doesn't, if he's out in space, he doesn't have to worry about somebody diving his legs to take him down. It's going to be face up arm-to-arm, shoulder-to-shoulder, and if you're big and you're strong and you can apply that force, you're going to win that fight, and you don't have to worry about possibly tearing an ACL because somebody decided to come take you out low. Yeah, no, I I think it's the right move for the game. Uh, I do. You know, just we see it every year. Too many players hurt because of that. And, you know, again, you know, it's it's, – does the bigger bigger physical teams maybe have a little more advantage because of that? Sometimes I do think so, too. Because, again, yeah, the, the small guy has had a, for lack of a better way to say it, a leg chopped out from underneath him. He can't do that anymore. So now it's got to be, oh, wait, i got to take him up top. And it is about size and strength. And the teams that are built you know, more on those premises, I, I do think have an advantage as far as that rule is concerned. Jets defensive end Carl Lawson, one of the veterans on the roster, addressed the team's defensive line as well. Here's what he had to say. I think that, you know, the potential is out the roof, you know. Um, but at the same time, we just got to we gotta stay healthy and we got to be able to execute. And, uh, you know, when our numbers call, just, you know, go out there and ball out. But I, I think the potential is through the roof. And I think, you know, we're always, like they said, we're always looking to continue to add to this group uh, of hungry guys. And I love this group because it's a bunch of guys with different backstories. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's going to be a competitive group. So it's going to create a breeding ground for absolute monsters. You got guys wanting to come back and prove themselves, like you know myself. You got undrafted guys. You got guys who went to JUCO. You got guys who coming off, you know, like Vinnie Curry coming off of a a, a life damn near life threatening injury. You've got you know so many different people that you know have been through different adversities, and then then you got that competitive nature. You know, if this guy's slacking, no, I want to be the best, and this that. You got guys who love football, so it's it's an absolute breeding ground for monsters. Um, so I love this group. Um, I love it. Really. You know, we were talking about this earlier, the idea that there's a bunch of great teams in the AFC and the teams that you would look at and say, ah, they're not a factor. Jets, Jaguars, Texans. I, know. I don't know what to think about the Jets. And I know Jaguars. there's some things to like. I like what they're both doing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. You're right. I mean, you know, again, they've spent money and it's not stupid money and they both had good drafts. And I think, again, too, when you take into where we've hit on this, I think, in the offseason a little bit, where, yeah, year two, your quarterback's going to be more comfortable. Everybody's got, you know, a hold of the Robert Sala system and the Mike LaFleur system on the offensive side of the ball. And and uh, the Jets are one of those teams that I would look at from last year to go, oh, definitely in the top five as far as was ravaged by injuries that affected their football team, whether it was Zach Wilson I mean, their receivers, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore, they missed games. You know, we, Marcus May, maybe one of the best players on their D last year, he got hurt. LaMarcus Joyner got hurt. Carl Lawson got hurt. Jared Davis got hurt. I mean, they really had it, like, in a tough spot there for a little while to where I think, you know, we're, we're saying the same thing. You see what they got on the roster now, what they did to improve it, 
and you see that there's some energy in that building provided by their head coach, you go, oh, this is, is this one of these teams that maybe kind of comes out of nowhere? Like, I think they have kind of that potential. I do. Yeah, and there's always a team like that. And there is. The Bengals' ascension last year from worst to first, that's the kind of thing the NFL loves because it gives every fan base plausible hope. It may not be realistic, but it's, it's at least – it's at least, I mean, the Bengals had Joe Burrow, but it's at least plausible that when everybody's zero and zero, you never know what's going to happen. You never know how it's going to play out. And a lot goes up and down and changes over a 17 game season. And so any year can be the year. And we saw it last year. Teams were alive longer than ever. That's what the NFL wants. If possible, all 32 teams still in the hunt for the postseason when you get into the last couple weeks of the season, if not the final week of the season. That's what they're trying to do and create that sense that you can pull it off. You can make it happen. Let's go ahead and take a break. I've been also looking at some of the the top romantic comedies of all time. Some movies that I did not think were romantic comedies. Give me some. Romantic comedies like... Coming, coming to America is on this list. Well, this is the Vanity Fair. He's trying to find his queen. If that's not romantic, comedies. then what is? True. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, there's others on there that I'm like, I didn't think, I wouldn't have called this a romantic comedy, but what the hell do I know? Let's take a break. We'll be back with more PFT Live right after this. I love coming to America. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Super Bowl 55 rematch, week four, Sunday night football on NBC and Peacock. Man, I got the chills. And Tom Brady. Missed that music. Last year, week four, it was Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. Belichick wasn't on the field. Damn. So Mahomes and Brady won't be on the field at the same time. But that's a hell of a that's a hell of a way to enter the what 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 do they call it? The quarter poll. I always get pissed off about that. But anyway, that caps week four of the 2022 season, except for Monday Night Football. Chiefs at Buccaneers. The GOAT versus the mini-GOAT. Yeah. A hell of a game. Yeah, the two the two cover athletes from the, the Madden 22 game. Yeah. And, and look, uh, hey, I still think Brady wouldn't have done it if the Chiefs had won that Super Bowl. It's a different issue altogether. But this is a chance for the Chiefs to – it's not really revenge. I, I hate that, that narrative because right. it's not like they robbed their house. They won a football game. They did their job, and they won. And the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, and it was a hell of a game. And Mahomes played out of his mind, and he did everything he possibly could to try to will the Chiefs to victory. He with, just didn't have the help around him that day, especially yeah. on the offensive line with yeah. a bad foot. Yeah, no, it, so. it's, it's really amazing. When, when you Sometimes when you see the highlights and some of the plays and you forget that, like, even though it was, what, 31-9 football game, you know, to, to your point, you remember, I mean, there was a few big drops by the Chiefs where Mahomes made some unbelievable plays where you go, man, that would have been a touchdown or that would have put them at the one-yard line to where that just it shows you the importance of a great quarterback where they were being outplayed, but, damn, he was borderline keeping them in it. Uh, you can't go wrong with this. Yeah, what? No, what? No, it's great. It's awesome. I no, I was just going to say, I'm, 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 uh, the announcement was made, not here, but on the Today Show. I don't know why. I don't know why. Because you're. Why because did they make it here? Because we're not big time enough here. NBC. I know. I know. It's, you know, uh, it's, it's the big, the big so peacock. Here's, here's Mike Tarico, the new voice of Sunday Night Football, play by play on the Today Show, making the announcement of Chiefs Bucks Week Four Sunday Night. Without further ado, what's the big game you're going to announce? You've got it, Hoda. We'll have the whole schedule a little bit later on tonight, but Week Four Sunday Night Football, October second will be in Tampa Bay for one of the most anticipated matchups of the year. Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs visiting Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on NBC Sunday Night Football. Before last year's Super Bowl, one or both of those guys were in five consecutive Super Bowls. About as good a quarterback matchup as you can have. Week four, Sunday Night Football here on NBC. And that's when it will be, and it will be something. And look, there's a lot of great games this year on all networks. But that's a pretty good one. Uh, and, and there's always that little push yeah. and pull, the rooting for this one, rooting for that one. But everybody's going to have a great schedule. Everybody, there's, there's too many great games this year. There's too many great teams to not have a crap load of great games this year. That's the thing that I think is really going to hit home when we start seeing the week-by-week schedule. There are going to be games that jump off the page. Now, I know that some teams are going to struggle. So by week seven, eight, nine, games that had some shine to them won't. But... 
I think more than ever before, when we see the full schedule tonight, we're going to be looking at schedule. We're going to be like, holy crap. Even though we already know what the games are going to be, when you see it set in stone, it has a different appeal to it. Well, I think where it has a chance to be a crazy year, I mean, and again, I know this is all on paper and all that, but it, it, because of the theme we've all talked about in sports media covering football, because of the great quarter, we have a lot of good quarterbacks in football, period. We're, we're, we're not in a shortage for really good quarterbacks. And, you know, to your point with the AFC to a degree, we're going to have some teams in the AFC at the halfway point. We're going to go, oh, man, they're, 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 they're almost out of it. They're, they're in trouble here. But it doesn't mean it's not going to be an exciting matchup or games to come to follow that because there's going to be some quarterbacks and some teams on there that, yeah, weren't playing that good early in the year but are dangerous. And, you know, it's not like these quarterbacks are going to go, well, we're not making the playoffs, so we'll just we'll fold up the tents and quit for the year. They're going to continue to – you know, ball out and, and be a pain in the butt and compete that way too. So that's where I think it does have a, a chance to be a crazy year. But, man, Brady, Mahomes, come on, week four in Tampa. Even though the Super Bowl was two years ago, I still think that'll have a, a personal feel to the Chiefs a little bit. They're going to walk in and remember that day and have a bad taste in their mouth and remember how crappy they felt. There's still too much of that nucleus of a team there for that to not carry over a little bit, especially when they get on the field and they go, damn, a lot of those guys that are wearing our damn ring over there, that's the ones that stole it. And I do think that'll make it a little bit personable that way. Personal, and in the personal. same, the same, uh, the same venue. Yeah. Right. Right. See, th th this is, this is one of the flukes of the 17th game because the chiefs were just in Tampa Bay. Right. In 2020. Right. But because that extra game pits division champions from two different conferences on a rotating basis, that's why the Chiefs are going back to Tampa Bay. We had Seattle go back to Pittsburgh two years after they did. Right. That it's it's all a rotation. It's all a formula. It's all part of coming up with that 17th game on top of the 16 that already had been baked in. So that's why we're getting Chiefs at Bucks two years later, and then two years from now it'll be Bucks at Chiefs. And uh, you know we can. There's always that possibility they're going to come across each other. Is that how they're doing once it every four years? Is that so? Like, yeah. so so that'll happen two years from now, and then next year. Like, so last year Kansas City's team was the Packers, right? That was their 17th right. game, right? Right. So does next year they go to the the Packers? I didn't. No. I don't. Well, here, here's here here's how it works. Yeah, it's two different tracks. It gets complicated. You will play, if you're the Chiefs, right. you will play the Buccaneers guaranteed every four years. Okay. Because you play all four teams from their division every four years. It rotates. And yes. I don't know the order for the Chiefs, but it's south, north, east, and west. Sure. Rotate, rotate, The normal rotate. schedules, right. There's a, then there's a separate rotation where you've got the three remaining divisions in the other conference. You play a team out of one of those divisions based on where they finish and where you finish. So you've got your rotation of, we're going to play all four. Then you've got another rotation of, we're going to play one from one of the other three divisions that finished where we did. So I don't know how it works out every two years, every three years, every four years, but you know every four years you're playing them. Right. But then you've got this other thing cranking through, and it's going to be different every year. Because you're not going to play, for example, you're not going to play the Buccaneers twice in a year if you're the Chiefs. Hey, we finished first in the division. This year we play every team in the NFC South. Oh, and this, no, that's not going to happen. Right. But, but, so it does get complicated, but it is possible to see a team more than once every four years. You will see a team more than once every four years. It's just the question is which team is it going to be? Yeah, right. And where is it going to be? Right. So, yeah. uh, but but it, does, it does add a little degree of difficulty for the great teams because yes. you know you don't see a lot of spread from the best team in the division to the worst team in the division the quality of their schedule this was another game that is tied to where you finished last year so first place plays first place fourth place plays fourth place in theory in theory it should be an easier game for the fourth place team right. a tougher game for the first place team and yeah for the who was in fourth place in the a a NFC South last year was it the Panthers or the Falcons i can't remember it was the Pan whoever the it was right okay so yeah big difference uh, the 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 uh Broncos were in fourth place right so so when you're talking about trying to figure out yeah. how 
you know, it's a razor thin margin. The Chiefs have to play the Bucks, and the Broncos draw the Panthers. A little bit easier for the Broncos to pick up the W in that 17th extra game than it is for the Chiefs. So that's how it goes. And uh, we'll, we'll see it all tonight, 12 hours and 15 minutes away and 36 seconds, I think. I don't know. The countdown clock isn't up, I'm guessing. Let's take a break. When we return, fresh faces. There it is. I was close. Oh, I was close. Did I say 12, 11? It's, yeah, it's under, they know who we mean. Fresh faces we'd like to see in primetime this year. We'll do that draft. Oh, by the way, by the way, I almost forgot. Even though it's right in front of me and it says, make sure you read this. Reminder, tonight is the NFL schedule release. You can stream it right here on Peacock. Get a breakdown of the 2022 NFL regular season schedule, division by division, plus analysis of the top matchups in primetime games. Watch it tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern on Peacock. All right, we'll be back with a draft of the fresh faces we want to see in primetime this season when PFT Live continues right after this. You're still on AOL. Like <laughs> yes, that's good. You know, we never did make a Chris looks like Max Headroom. If I knew we had that kind of technical capacity, I'm expecting Chris in the screen with the jerky movement. If I have to listen to any more NFL coverage where no matter what channel it's on, well, you know the NFL is really stealing a lot from the college game. What the fuck is there to steal? What 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 are the the shotgun inside zone play? Oh 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 no! There's four plays in college football right now. <laughs> That's good. That was that good. awesome. That was good. That is awesome. Well done. Well Man. done. If I wasn't too lazy, I'd stand up. Uh, I and, and I'm not wearing pants. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> that was awesome. That caught me in a rant yesterday, Mike, because that was the one thing that, that kind of, you know, I, I give my little pet peeves or whatever. And it's it's one that I know my father and I both have. You know, it, it's it's that is the common de facto line in the draft coverage. You know, the NFL stealing a lot from college. We talk about this all the time, you and I, and how linemen and linebackers in football aren't ready to come to the NFL because they've only seen three plays in college football. Like, what what are they stealing? Like, what is it? Oh, the RPO? The wide receiver screen? Oh, the let me look and then look at the sideline? Oh, my gosh, it's groundbreaking stuff. It's just like like crap, people say sometimes, just to fill in a few seconds. It's, it's bull crap. All right, so we now know that week four Sunday night football will be the Kansas City Chiefs at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If you're just tuning in, that was announced earlier today by NBC and the NFL. We're drafting the fresh faces we'd like to see most in primetime. We can't wait to see in primetime. And this is anyone and everyone. Fresh face. Fresh fa- I, I think we can define that however we want. Fresh face, primetime. Who do you want to see? Chris, you're up first. I, I mean, I'm, I'm going with the man of the hour. I mean, again, I don't know if this classifies as fresh face or not, but it should. His face looks fresh, and he's still new to the NFL. Is Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow and the Bengals, the big play Bengals. I mean, that, you know, you almost add Jamar Chase into that. I, that's what I mean. It's just those two guys, it's, that's must-see football. It's, it's like, oh, my gosh, it's just every week they make magic happen and big plays happen, and that, that's, to me, the one I think that stands out as far as the ones we haven't seen a whole lot here you know, over the last few years. Well, and that's a great point because even though they made it to the Super Bowl, it's not like a team we saw in prime time right. much Last Thursday year, night we game, saw them right? on that Thursday night game against the Jaguars. They fell into the hole. They came back and won the game, and they didn't even get to enjoy the victory because the whole post-game story was Urban Meyer grinding. Grind, he was around grinding around town. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know, I, I'll go. I, I don't know how many primetime games he's going to get, but he's got the freshest face in all of the NFL because he looks like he's in middle school. Zach Wilson. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and, and maybe it's going to be a flex situation if the Jets end up being better than expected. They get that New York market, which is always going to be an attraction when the time comes to pool games into prime time once we get past week 10. I, you know, if the Jets end up surprising people and Zach Wilson becomes the guy you thought he was going to be last year, and I'm not saying he isn't, we just didn't see it last year. When the offensive line sucks, when the weapons aren't there, he got banged up a little bit, he didn't get a chance to really establish a footing. He could be kind of a Joe Burrow this year, and we're going we're gonna to hope 
to see him in standalone games. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, that's, you know, I, I had somebody on my podcast saying, what team in the top five could maybe be like the Bengals were the year before? The Jets were the team I chose, like it just because of the things you said. There's some weapons and some some explosive elements on the on the football team and a quarterback who's explosive that way. So yeah, Zach Wilson was one of the names I had written down on on my list as well. I'm gonna go stay in the AFC East. One of the new fresh faces I wouldn't mind seeing on prime time a little is Mike McDaniel, the Dolphins. And he's yeah, I'm excited just to see him roaming the sidelines as the head coach, anyways. You know, we we got a little bit of a quirky personality. I wanna see that football team in prime time, let alone they got a ton of talent as well. And I want to see what Tua does, you know, on the big stage in those moments and everything there and what Mike McDaniel does. But uh, I think I'm, I'm interested to see him and some of his actions on the sidelines and maybe some of the faces when a referee has a horrible call and whatever else might be pretty entertaining. And that's a good point, too. We've got a new mini universe of coaches right? that we aren't used to seeing. And Mike McDaniel, unlike Robert Sala, we were very familiar with Robert Sala. He was a magnet for the cameras in San Francisco when he was defensive coordinator, we, a lot of, it, it, you know, the people who don't watch between Super Bowl and week one, they're going to see Dolphins games. And they say, who's the dude with the glasses on the sideline? I don't know who that is. And they're going to find out who it is. And they're going to like what they, what they have to see. Um, I want to see Trevor Lawrence sometime, prime time, anytime. I know that again, this falls into the category of if they're not any good, we're not going to see them, but you know, Three years of Trevor Lawrence is going to be the next big thing in the NFL. He's going to be the next big thing in the NFL. And he just kind of disappeared last year because the team wasn't any good. We really haven't gotten to know Trevor Lawrence. And Peter King made a great point after they beat the Colts week 18. For as bad as it was for the Colts, it was a great closing act for Trevor Lawrence to propel him into his next year. They got rid of Urban Meyer. They have Doug Peterson. They've loaded up the cannon. Again, I don't expect them to have three primetime games in the initial schedule, right. but I want to see them. I want to see what they can do. I want to see what Trevor Lawrence can do with a real NFL head coach, not not an overrated college guy who thought he could come in and treat an NFL program like a college team. I saw what the hell he was thinking. So yeah, it's a reset. It's a reboot. And we're waiting to see Trevor Lawrence and I want to see what he can do, Chris. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there too. I mean, again, I'm still a believer and we saw the talent at the end of the year and yeah, it was a tough situation. He was in about as tough as it gets really. So I'm with you. And then just like we talked about with the Jets, there's some things to really like about their team and the talent to go, ooh, it could be kind of fun on the field to to watch what they got. All right. I mean, this isn't like the freshest of faces, but it's it's a face that's in a new place that I'm excited to see. I, I'm The Buffalo Bills, Von Miller, that, that's one. I'm just excited to see that combination. I know that's not the freshest face, but it's a fresh look. And it's a new vibe on that football team. We've heard from him a little bit how excited he is and how he said it's kind of the coolest locker room he's ever been in. You know, they haven't had that standout superstar defensive guy. I think he adds that element to their team a little bit there. I, I just think that's a cool one that I'm excited to see. And, of course, the Bills, I think, are going to be one of the best teams in football. I know that. But I think that'll be a cool little element to add to it. If you're going to take that liberty, I'm going to take it, Go too, ahead. and I'm going to say Russell Wilson. Sure. Because I remember two years ago how jarring it was to see Tom Brady in a Tampa Bay Buccaneers uniform. So whenever the Broncos make their debut in prime time, yeah, yeah I, Russell, I, it's, it's a fresh it's, face. It's a fresh face. On it's a fresh, fresh helmet, helmet. <laughs> for a face that <laughs> right. we know. Right. All right, let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Thursday edition of PFT Live right after this. Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, week four Sunday night football announcement made within the hour by Mike Tirico on the Today Show. Chiefs Bucks, week four Sunday night football. And by week four, we'll have an idea, at least an inkling, a sliver of an understanding of what the Chiefs offense post Tyreek Hill is going to look like because that's the big difference between the last time and this time. Even though you said the nucleus of the team is basically the same, they don't have Tyreek anymore. Yeah. What's Sky Moore going to do? What's MVS going to do? What's Juju going to do? What are they going to do? They got Ronald Jones, too. It's a little homecoming for Ronald Jones. Yeah, Not quite right. the same as Tom Brady going back to Foxborough, but Ronald Jones was with the Bucks for four years. He could end up being their featured running back, or at least splitting time with Clive Edwards-Alaire by the time we get there. So 
So there's going to be a lot of wrinkles and angles no by doubt. the time we get to the end of week four. And we'll know what that passing game is going to look like. At least we'll have an idea. A hundred. Yeah. No Antonio Brown. Maybe no Gronk. It could be a different look there. You know, the Super Bowl matchup, it was all about the pass rush of Mahomes. Well, damn, there's a big red wall there now. It's a, it's a different line they're dealing with. And you can say what you want. The Mahomes-Brady thing is real. You don't think Mahomes wants to slay the beast again one more time to make sure he goes out, you know, the way he wants it? I think that there is that personal thing that we talk about even though they're not in the field together. I'm sure he'd love to see him again in the Super Bowl and get him there. Yeah, sure. I'm sure I know. he'd love to send him to Fox <laughs> after Congratulations, to him here's your $37.5 million a year get anniversary the hell out. We're getting contract. The hell out. See, see ya. Tomorrow.